Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Guys, today's episode is going to be a little different than my other episodes. Usually, uh, this podcast is comedy, but even comedy is rooted, and at least the comedy I write, observational humor, is rooted in observations of the things that we are doing as people that we're not even paying attention to. And one of the topics I write a lot of my comedy on as you probably know by now, is social media. It's what my videos were based on. It's what a lot of topics on this podcast are based on. So I thought, why not have a responsible conversation about the topic so you guys know that you are not alone in feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, depressed, confused, whatever it is. You're not alone because for as many benefits as social media has, If we could be completely honest, there's also a little bit of a dark side. It's a little fucked up. So I wanted to have this conversation and I'm really excited about who I'm having it with. I think you guys are going to like it. So now that we got that out of the way, I welcome you to today's episode of Social Studies. Guys, I'm kind of obsessed with humans, human behavior, and the things we do all day, every day that we're not even paying attention to. In fact, I find it kind of hilarious. So much so, I built my career writing comedy on the observation of these behaviors. I'm Jenna Kingsley, writer, comic, creator, and host of the new podcast series, Social Studies. My guest today is an incredible man. Uh, Some of you know him from MTV TRL Live. Hello, cultural iconic show. Uh, Chris Rock described him. If Oprah and Ryan Seacrest had a love child, the kid would end up being like Caduce. Please welcome to my show, uh, media coach, founder of the Media Mastery Academy and author of The Method, Caduce. Welcome, uh, Caduce. What an intro. You know, ah. the one thing that's missing from that Chris Rock quote is yeah. that he would have a lot more money, though, because if <laughs> I'm born into Ryan Seacrest and Oprah, God, I would not be dealing with bills the way I deal with them now, you know? Caduce, let me quickly ask you, do you have a last name or are you just like Madonna? Because you're only <laughs> like Caduce as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so my full name is yeah. Benjamin Caduce Philippe. And okay. when I was around 17 years old, I felt like a caduce. So yeah. I said, I'm going to scrap the other two and just go with that. I mean, and I love it. Yeah. I love it. And people call you Q. People call me Q just to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, thank you so much for joining me. So to the listeners, you are used to my show being a certain kind of show. So far, it's been, you know, a lot of comedy, but as you know, and as I discuss in the intro of this show and the description of this show, my work is based on the things we are doing as people that we are not conscious of. That's actually how Mm. I write my comedy. It's like observational humor. So Caduce has been doing a lot of work lately discussing the things we are doing on our social media um, and why we're doing it and being conscious of it. So I was like, we have to do an episode together because Mm -hmm. I really think this is one of the most important topics out there um, that is really affecting people. But before we go into that, I want to go into some 
some trash that I love. I love MTV. <laughs> I love TRL. So we're going to have to, and I love music. So we're going to have to it. cover this for a hot minute. Uh, what was it like being a host of like one of the most iconic shows on television? It was wild. It was wild. On the high note, it would feel like a total dream. Yeah. And then on the low end, I would have imposter syndrome up the wazoo and couldn't sleep. Yes. So there's all that spectrum. <laughs> yes, I, I get that. I suffer wildly from imposter syndrome. So I get that. Yeah. Who, what is your most, what is your most memorable TRL moment? Like, mm. what is the moment that you're like, I can't believe this is my actual job and life right now? So I can give you two stories, one okay. involving Stevie Wonder and one involving Kanye West. Which, which one do you want? Oh my God, both of them, both of them, both <laughs> two of my favorites. They're all my favorites. Let's go. Kanye and I at that point were friends. Okay. And the way we became friends was backstage at a Talib Kweli show. Talib introduced us. Kanye produced some stuff for Talib. At the time, there was a song called the Get By Remix, which Kanye rapped on. He was just starting to emerge from being just a producer yeah. Jay-Z. And now he's starting to rap. And so Talib brings him out on stage that night and Kanye performs the remix of get by with him, does his verse. And I'm blown away. I'm standing in the crowd. And by the way, he's the exact same way that he is now, but no one knew who he was. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine we are at Irving Plaza. I'm looking around as an observer of culture. I'm looking around with this bold dude on stage that nobody seems to know. It's, it's a pretty down the middle group. So some folks know Talib and are big fans. Some of them don't. And everyone looked absolutely blown away by Kanye, but didn't know what to make of him because he was just so confident. Yeah. And so when we're backstage after the show, Talib introduces us. I say, Kanye, you're amazing. You're an amazing rapper. Yeah. At that point, Kanye was just starting to get truly confident as a rapper. So even though on stage, he looked like he had all the bravado in the world. When he heard that compliment from me, who, by the way, at the time is on TRL, that mm -hmm. makes a huge difference for him. So could you imagine like Kanye fully receiving the compliment, being so gracious and being like, no. oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. No, it's amazing. I, I mean, anyone who's ever seen Kanye perform live is he's magic. I mean, he I, he's, I'm a huge fan. I'm actually yeah. a huge fan. I've seen him live a bunch of times and every time I'm like, that was the best performance. And then every time I'm like, that was the best performance. You know what it is about Kanye? He, he has the kind of confidence that everybody really wants. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that he is living his damn dream so loud that all of us have to pay attention. And yeah. on some level, like our soul is stirred when we see him. We're like, oh God, I wish I could be that free. Right. I think that all the time. So, so anyway, can yeah, I sorry. get introduced? So I tell him, dude, come by the MTV studio. I'd love to have you on the show. And at that point, that's a huge deal for him. Huge. And so anyway, that's how our relationship started. And so we became friends in that way. I was the facilitator of him getting on TRL for the first time. So we that's have- huge. That it's a big deal. Yeah. It's I mean, he sent, he, sent me, he sent me a, a plaque of his first platinum record and, you know, put me in his album liner notes for college dropout, shouted me out. Mind you, if you look at the album liner notes, he actually misspelled my name. And then so it, <laughs> that's he, probably who I it. sent the first email to, by the way, that caduce. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So it's, it's spelled with a Q. He wrote it with a K in the album liner notes. And then I'm backstage at TRL having him on. And so we're hanging out just about to go on live. And the stage manager goes, hey, Q, you ready? And Kanye looks at me, goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's anyway, that's iconic. The, that's, that's the high note, right? But then there's a moment where 
we were just coming back from the MTV VMAs that were happening down in Florida in Miami. And after the VMAs, there was an after party that Suge Knight was at. And, you know, as one does at a Suge Knight party, some, something happens. Apparently there was a shooting and then Kanye was up in the tabloids having been at the party and getting somewhat collapsed into the story. So of course, Kanye is coming on TRL the next day and we're a daily live show. And the whole point of that is to be on top of what's happened, what everybody's talking about. And so it was on us to talk about it. Now, how we talked about it was obviously something that we needed to figure out. So as a team, we met up early in the day and we decided, okay, we're going to ask Kanye what he experienced at this shootout post VMA. And so when Kanye shows up backstage, we're in the green room, Mind you, I go backstage to get ready for the show because it's live. I just say hi to Kanye and then I go backstage. Yeah. So I don't really want to talk about it. Honestly, I'd rather talk about what he came to the show to talk about. I think it was yeah. like a new, new video or something he was dropping. So anyway, Kanye and I say hi real quick. I go backstage, get ready, get mic'd up. He's in the green room. The producer's prepping him, asking him about what happened last night. And hey, so we want to talk about this. Kanye, apparently this is unbeknownst to me at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm in another room. I'm counting on the producer to prep Kanye and then prep me on how she prepped Kanye. Mind you, Kanye is not interested in talking about this at all. He is repelled by the idea. He, you know, it's, it's a crime that happened. You don't yeah. want to have blood on your hands. So you're and you don't want to be it. like a rat. You don't want to be part of it in any way. 100%. So Kanye tells the producer explicitly, don't bring that up. Right. Okay. So that's what happened unbeknownst to me. Producer comes over. I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> Producer is all I'll refer to her as she comes over to me backstage and she says, okay, so I talked to Kanye and um, he's not really crazy about the idea, but uh, we, we should still talk about it though. Cause it's really a relevant thing that everyone's talking about. And so can you figure out how to do that? And I'm like, uh, this feels really off. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that's a good idea, but let me figure it out. Okay. So I go back to my, my dugout and I start thinking, okay, we got to mention it so that we're relevant, but we don't need to go there. We don't yeah. need to ask him, Hey, so what happened exactly? So what I did was I basically touched on it, like literally referenced it in the midst of the interview. We're live now on TRL, millions of viewers watching. I say, so Kanye, something happened last night after the VMAs. And so it makes, it makes me wonder about what you think about the state of hip hop right now. So I basically referenced it. So we check off the box, but didn't actually ask him about it. I asked yes. him about something broader. Yes. Yes. He's, he stopped listening when I referenced it. He was like, he snapped. I saw something snap, you know, Kanye does. Yeah, yeah. He snapped and he looks at the producer who's right off camera and yells at her and says, I told you not to ask me that. This and is it's live. live. Mortified. Everyone's like, oh my Jesus. Oh. So of course I get my producers in the control room in my ear, my IFB telling me, go to video, go to video. Did <laughs> you go to video? So mortified. Of course. Yeah. I'm like, okay, y'all. Okay, Kanye, we're going to go to the number 10 video today. That is bye crazy. Bye -bye. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on that Something note, like that. here's yeah. a boy band. Yeah, here's a boy band to soothe your edge right now. And oh, so I look at Kanye. Man. I mean, we go to video. I look at Kanye and and both of us are 
in a shock because of, <laughs> it's like, it's not normal. Yeah. And, and Kanye looks at me and in that moment, because we're friends, he lets down his guard and he goes, man, bro, I don't know how to do these things, man. I don't know how to manage this type of situation. And I said, well, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm sorry that went down like that. So anyway, that's the type of stuff that happens sometimes. Yeah. But that's, but that's an amazing story because you know what, at the end of the day, Kanye West is a person yes. and no one really knows how to handle being in the crisscross of that. And you know, that's outside of the scope of music and just in general, that's an insane position to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I felt so bad for him. I was so apologetic. And honestly, ever since that moment, our, our relationship wasn't the same. Uh, and so that's one of those things I look at and I say, oh man, well, what could I have done there? I, oh, well, the lesson is listen to the, the spidey sense, that gut feeling I yep, had. Yep. Yep. Maybe ask a couple more questions to that producer. You know, so there's a lot of lessons that happen on live television. Maybe a little low key trauma. That is over an here unbelievable too. story to be part of. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's that's what happens with live TV, though. That's what was so riveting about it, and that's why I think people love watching IG live so much. You just never know what's going to happen. You awesome. never know what's going to happen. So you never awesome. know. Yeah. And I mean, we could talk about Stevie Wonder, but that pales in comparison to the edginess of that story, right? I mean. Uh, they're all such amazing names. I mean, I was reading like you the, on the red carpet at the Grammys. There's, I could spend two hours. I could spend eight hours talking to you about every musician you've met. Uh, I want to tell you my TRL highlight. Um, yes. And you know, you can share, you can continue to share. I could talk about TRL <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, my TRL highlight, believe it or not, is uh, Kid Rock's first appearance on TRL. Mm. It was Carson Daly bought him on. He's like, you, you, know, you have to see, I love this guy. I was already familiar with Kid Rock's Ba Wada Ba, as everyone was. <laughs> Classic. But what people don't know about Kid Rock, or, or they do now, or they don't, and now, you know, there's a whole other view of Kid Rock. He is so unbelievably talented. Yep. He was on TRL Live. He sang, then he picked up the guitar from the guitarist. He started playing the guitar. Then he went to the piano. He started playing the piano. I, he hit every instrument. And I was like, this guy is so talented. It's mm -hmm. insane because yep. we're coming from, this was a time of boy bands mm -hmm. and packaged musicians. This, he had talent yeah. and he had, I had in my office at the time, a life-size poster of Kid Rock after that, that was like six feet tall. I became obsessed with Kid Rock. Um, and I just, that was a moment on TRL that I was like, we didn't even know how mm -hmm. talented he was. And I just remember Carson Daly's expression when they were, they showed Tar Carson Daly's expression that Kid Rock went from instrument to instrument and Carson Daly looked so truly authentically amazed by mm -hmm. Kid Rock's talent. And yeah. I was just was like, that's insane. So that always kind of stuck with me from GRL. Yeah, he was such a talent. There's so many pop artists that don't really get the kind of credit that they deserve because the there is a certain cynicism about pop music that's very unique to pop music. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. If I was playing country music, it would not have the same scrutiny. It just wouldn't. 
Yeah, but Kid Rock was definitely the real deal. That's There's a amazing. lot of artists that, that surprised me. Britney was actually someone who I spent some time with back in the day. And I saw this documentary recently. Yes, Free and Britney. Obviously, pretty sad to see how it all turned out. But at the time, I remember we did an in studio visit. And so all of a sudden there's a piano, grand piano in front of us and we sit down and she starts joking around and playing chopsticks as if she's a kid in class. But then she starts playing a for real, beautiful piano piece. And I'm sitting there in awe because I had no, I mean, you know, she's so presented as this pop star, but there's a talent underneath that too. Bernie's oh, super yeah. talented. So she, talented. Yeah. So talented. Uh, that, that documentary was un believable. Mm -hmm. And when I think that's actually a good segue into talking about what you're doing now. If you don't follow um, Caduce on Instagram, you need to, and we'll get into where to find him at the end. But what I love about you is you talk so much about people's authenticity on social media and, and people sharing truths and not curating perfection. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have been so overly saturated with phoniness. Yeah. And you posted something the other day uh, that really, really was, I was like, everyone needs to, everyone needs to read this, hear mm. this. Mm. And I went back to share it. it, it I couldn't, it was gone. Um, <laughs> oh, no. but, <laughs> I'm doing the Rick Rubin. Yeah, I know, I know you're I'm, too cool for us. You're too cool. But um, you tell us a little about what you discussed about fame versus fulfillment and how people mm. are using social media. I, I really think everyone should hear this, listen to it. And it really just, I was like, this is so important right now, given the environment of social media. Well, it correlates with my story because I got a chance to be behind the scenes and on camera. No, it's good. It's good. It's like, this is all perfect because I do feel like, you know, as we talk about what I was up to, it really was this incredible opportunity to understand all sides of the game. And, and the game is the one that everyone's playing now. So mm -hmm. it used to be, it used to be people who were choosing in to the pop culture life were playing that game. Now social media has made it to where essentially everyone is relegated to playing that game on some yes. level. Yes. So when we pull back on the macro level, it's problematic because it's kind of like we're going into the matrix and we don't even know it. Yeah. This is the blind spot that we're in right now. I think yeah. it's actually, I look at it like the climate crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people just don't see it coming. But now, you know, Al Gore or whoever else saying, well, guys, are you paying attention? Are you seeing what's happening? And that's what's happening with social media right now. It's yes. really troubling because the mental health statistics have gone up. Everyone, it feels like everyone who thinks about the personal brand is essentially curating their social media to set themselves up for a Truman show effect. Yes. And yeah. then they become a prisoner of the perception that they wanted to create at some point, but maybe they evolve out of, and then what happens? Yeah. So true. You know, I look at social media from a very specific lens as a creator. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I always like, you know, it's why, like when I, talk about the no selfie zone or whatever, you know, I look at it from like, why are people sharing this? Yeah. What is their intention? Do they know yeah. why they're sharing this? Are they only mm -hmm. sharing this because everyone else is sharing stuff like this? But I know I look at it probably from a different lens. I'm always thinking about content and content creation. Yeah. I just meant like mentally when I see things, I look at it so differently, right? Totally. Like 
I can't help it. Right. Yeah. I look at it from a creator's eye. Yeah. But by the way, that's why I was so excited to connect with you because I saw that YouTube video you did where you essentially played out in real life <laughs> what we do online yeah. to, to show how wacky we are online with each other. Yes. It's yes. Wild. So I'm so glad like you're, you're hitting on something that's so important and you're doing it in a really funny way. Yes. I hope people also get the substance of like right. on the laugh, like, Oh wow. I really actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they, it does resonate with people because it has opened up a discussion in mm. marketing classes and, in, mm. in, you know, different sorts of places. It was someone wrote about it in a marketing book. Nice. Um, so it, it has opened the discussion for, being conscious of how we are interacting online and yeah. what we were, you know, it's interesting. My son took a class, uh, my son took a class when he was in second grade in school, they were teaching Minecraft to the second graders. Mm. And I was like, really? They're teaching how to play a video game. And now he came home and he's addicted to this video game. Mm. And they explained, and I interviewed the teacher for this article. The reason they were teaching it is they wanted to teach children how to play in a digital sandbox. Mm-hmm. Just like they have to learn to play in a sandbox in the playground, mm. you have to play nicely in a digital sandbox as well. Yeah, wow. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I know that's something you'll find incredibly fascinating because yeah. it's true. If you think about it, these kids are being raised, right? Adults yeah. have a hard enough time knowing how to use social media. Mm-hmm. These kids are being raised their entire upbringing. They've yeah. had social media and they've had to operate in the confines of social media. Yeah. It's a um, wild world. I remember the day before we even had pagers and I remember being, I had a pager. Motorola was one of these like little blue, th- but I remember the feeling though, having the awareness, I remember acutely thinking, okay, you need to tell me I'll be walking down the street, looking around at the world and, and loving the nature the sun or whatever. And someone will be able to interrupt that. And I was mortified. This oh. was me at like 14 or 15. I thought, Oh, not me. I wanted my crush to page me. Hold on. I love being present. And I didn't have that conscious thought. Like I just knew I just loved being present. Yeah. The, the feeling of being present, by the way, is the portal for everything people want. Mm-hmm. And now we have so many interruptions mm-hmm. to our presence that I don't, I mean, I went through a phase where I was on my phone so much. I actually forgot what that felt like. I totally forgot. It was yeah. Oh yeah. It's hard memory. to not, you yeah. know, I I've had to train myself even to not be like I'll, I'll turn off my alerts on my phone. Cause I want to train myself to not have to feel mm-hmm. like I need to respond to people mm-hmm. just because they contact, like I, yep. you get in this habit and then I'm like, Oh my God, it's been an hour. I didn't respond to their text. They're going to yeah. get upset. But I'm like, yeah. I just, I need to take care of other stuff first. I'm trying to regain those habits. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to re learn those habits that I don't have to be on call 24 seven, especially if you're someone like me who never sleeps. And then uh, like people will get emails at two in the morning. They're like, what were you doing? I'm like, I was like, nothing. Like reading to correlation there. I actually was talking to a sleep doctor last year. I was having some trouble sleeping and he was talking about how my phone habits were getting in the way because the stimulus that we experience when we're on our phone, it gets us so wired. I notice now like very, very discern, discernible, distinct 
experience when I'm on my phone just before going to bed versus when I get off my phone by 7 PM or something like that, my whole system feels completely different. Yeah. When I use my phone until the last minute and hit the pillow, I'm, I literally don't sleep well. I don't. It's like yeah. clockwork. No, oh, you're a, by the way, you're a hundred percent right. Because I also fell into a TikTok habit, mm-hmm. which is such a dangerous habit. I mean, how many dogs do I need to see talking in human voices? <laughs> Apparently <laughs> thousands. Um, that's the answer. Thousands. I hit the end of TikTok watching. I've seen every dog speak like a human. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it's like, you know, did you watch the social dilemma about how it talks yeah, yeah. about, you know, you see that. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked you, had you seen fake famous? Did you get a chance to watch that yet? Horrifying, but also so amazing. And, mm-hmm. and such an, it's, it portrays how phony things are and they are not mm-hmm. as they seem. Mm-hmm. And this has always been such a big, thing for me on social Mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. Um, and also why are people doing things? You know, I, even Martin Luther King day, I saw people posting like glamorous pictures of themselves with the Mm. caption, a Martin Luther caption. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Because I have, I have this constant conversation going with my friends. I'll it's caption V image. Mm. because I can't get over how people are tone deaf enough to post one image of them (laughs) walking down the beach in a bikini and somehow tie in a Martin Luther King quote. It drives (laughs) me crazy. Um, It makes me crazy. It's just one of my things. Um, But I, again, I don't know if I'm just looking at it, but I think we're going to, I think people are starting to face exhaustion from these Mm -hmm. things. I really Mm -hmm. think we're going to hit a wall and that's why these documentaries like fake famous or so it's like finally saying to people, it is okay. It is insane. What's happening. I just heard the other day, my friend Trevor was a really brilliant filmmaker. He's talking to a couple of different companies about working on a new project. One of the companies, this person who's in the position to hire him says to him, Hey, I checked out your Instagram and man, you don't have a lot of followers. So I'm not sure whether it's going to work for this gig. I said, hold on. You mean you're going to be behind the scenes of this project? That makes me crazy. The production on it and you need followers? That makes, honestly, that makes me irate. That's, that's where we're at though. It's somehow a measure of social equity. It's It's insane. It is a measure. There was a, there was a black mirror episode. I don't know if you ever saw it about Mm. this. And um, it it was about likes being the currency for where you are. It was actually the actual currency of what Mm -hmm. kind of apartment you lived in, of what kind of, that was the currency exchange. And this was years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's actually so close to what's happening because exactly what you said. And there's so many talented people that don't feel comfortable using social media or don't know how to play the game with it or don't want to spend the time with it. So when you have a brand these days mm-hmm. or a business, social media, like you said, is so important. Mm-hmm. And now yep. because of this stupid algorithm, mm-hmm. you can't just sit back and wait until there's something that you really want to share. Because sure. if you want people to see it, it's like a never ending cycle that you gotta have to keep game. up with an algorithm. Yep. And play the so game. that puts people in a trap.
there's a rat race dynamic going on where followers equate to worthiness mm-hmm. in our society as we know it on some level. And there's very few people that are exempt from that now. Very yeah. few people. Yeah. So, okay. So if that's the, the game, the current paradigm, then essentially it is a bit of a fame game where, okay, I am going to need to work that. I'm going to need to work that angle. I'm going to need to somehow get in cahoots with more influencers so we can get on IG live, blah, 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 go down the rabbit hole of skewing one's natural tendency to want to hang out with, let's say Jenny from back in the day, mm-hmm. my best friend since grade six, Jenny wants to hang out, but maybe I might have the possibility of being closer to an influencer. Nowadays, that becomes a debate, right? Versus back in the day where like loyalty, real friendship was probably valued more than anything. Now, Mm -hmm. because of the paradigm, the experience that we're all in with social media, one needs to consider, okay, I might need to hang out with that person that's got the blue check mark though, because that's going to look real. You know, there's a whole psychology around it, Mm -hmm. which is like, essentially being in big brother. Yeah. And yep. now we're all in big brother. We all want more votes and down the rabbit hole we go. See, I have a friend of mine that was a YouTube star and she burnt out because she was constantly in that rat race of got to get this video to perform better and do this and do this and collaborate with this person. It was all such a burnout and so that's something that on some level, so many of us are dealing with. And that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing, because it's not just for the sake of people with a great voice and message, having more of that impact that we want to see from that person, but it's also a mental health thing at this point. It's a, I agree 100%. It is a mental health issue. This has become a mental health issue. And that's why I wanted to have this episode and I, mm. I struggle. It's so funny. You talk about putting yourself in a hole and like, this is a, co- this is a comedy show. This is, mm-hmm. but all of my comedy is based on observations in our daily lives. And this mm-hmm. is the number one thing that I think is influencing us, influencing us as people. Yeah. And I do think this has now become a mental health issue. Well, I, I got a personal story around this too. It's, it's not me just observing other people going down this rabbit hole. I went through that. I went mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole at one point. I got myself so deep in it that I actually built out a narrative about the relationship that I was in. Yeah. Yet the narrative was something that felt like a Jay-Z and Beyonce knockoff. I was like, oh, we'll be like the Jay-Z and Beyonce of the self-development world. We'll be able to co-facilitate trainings. I totally... By the way, I love that you're telling this story because I love that people get to hear what this relationship looked like on social media versus what it was in real life. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. And well, this is, and this is it. I I think that this really will land the plane because it truly is something that could happen to anyone nowadays where I was literally training people, coaching people on being more authentic on camera. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I was not altogether aware of what was happening with me. I was, I was generating a, uh, uh, I want to say it was somewhat of a facade, but until I completely abandoned my own desires and needs mm-hmm. for the story yeah. that we could present. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's why this matters so much to me because I basically turned myself inside out trying to make it work because I had already gotten too deep into that whole experience of sharing everybody around us. The whole community was always raving about how, Oh my God, you guys seem so great together. Do, 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 do because of the way I told our story. 
And so the stories we tell, we could become prisoner to. And social media makes it to where there's a whole nother layer of accountability slash responsibility slash obligation around that then, because it's no longer just like a circle of friends that you can explain it to in a nuanced way that would fully appreciate it. All of a sudden, a whole community that doesn't know the ins and outs of something is privy to it. Yeah. And then yeah. what? Yeah. 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 So it's like, it used to be the, the, the paparazzi thing, the celebrity culture, the entertainment news outlets that would try to report accurately about what happened now. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. everybody. Yeah. 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 It's so <laughs> true. Oh, we go. I mean, listen, there's a whole upside to social media, which is incredible. I'm not like a, a, a knocker of it, but there's a healthy way to approach it. And there's an unhealthy way. And I certainly went down the unhealthy route. So I'm doing everything I can to reverse that from where I'm sitting and coaching people to support people to really get over that trap. But it's, it's really something to be nimble about. Yeah, I know. And I think that there's not enough. That's why I love following accounts that are like, you know, you know, there's real beauty accounts, the, the, mm. the ones like, you know, Dana Mercer comes to mind or mm. raw beauty talks where they they're posting like, you know, wrinkles and cellulite and, and like, this mm-hmm. is okay. And this is not a filter. And because mm-hmm. the lines have become so blurred when I go to the dermatologist catalogs, you know, all lining the walls, like have skin, like a filter yeah. have, you know, like this is, and guess what? No, all the, pla- all the plastic surgery, all you're never going to look like a filter. You're just never. And so we're being compared to people that don't mm. have pores. Yeah. We are comparing ourselves to people who don't have pores. We are <laughs> comparing ourselves to people who, you know, it's, they're using filters. Nobody yeah. looks like an actual filter in real life. They just do not. I yep. mean, there's gorgeous people, gorgeous people have flaws. I mean, and it's funny because I said to you the other day, I get asked, I've been asked now three times so far, probably this month by people who are like, is that really you? Or is that an act when you're talking mm. about how you're disorganized or mm. you, you know, whatever, like, cause I love post for me as a comedian, obviously there is a humor and self-deprecation. So I'm incredibly used to sharing that side. In fact, mm-hmm. I prefer, I'm more way more comfortable sharing that than I would be something non self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have become, and I said this to you, so conditioned to seeing perfect Mm. and people faking perfection that it seems fake when people are actually real, are actually real. Yeah. People will think, Oh, this is, this is presenting vulnerability. She's just doing this to be funny. And I was like, well, it is funny. I think it's funny because I grew up uh, thinking that my shortcomings, like I was able to laugh at myself, but it's, it's just incredible that that's a, that we even have to make that distinction. Yep. Yep. It's so telling of not only the, the fact that people augment their reality, but also the cynicism that's occurring too. Right. So it's like this double-edged sword where essentially both sides there's, uh, it's, it's just not our best self. It really, it's just, to yeah. say the least. And, and it really requires every bit of meditation I can muster every morning, every bit of mindfulness I can bring to it. I mean, that's, that's what this training I've been doing is turning into, which is essentially the, the reprogramming of the way we approach social media. So many of my clients will come to me and they'll, they'll wonder about what their authentic voice is. 
And, and that's telling of the times yeah. when we feel like we can't just be ourselves yeah. as we are. There is something to look at there. Oh, 100 million percent, 100 million percent. And I also wonder that, you know, when are people going to fall into a trap of, you know, even in dating life, is this mm-hmm. not good enough? Because look at this relationship or look at this person and it's, you're not seeing mm-hmm. the real thing. I mean, yeah. you're just not seeing it. You're not yeah. seeing the bumps and the flaws and the, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you don't know if they leave dishes in the sink. You don't know <laughs> if they're a shitty, you, what kind of shitty spouse they are. You don't yeah. know anything except they, these perfect pictures. They may not even write their captions. <laughs> right. They, right. They're ghostwriters for people who have millions of followers. They're, I know people, they're friends of mine that hire people to do their social media. So people are sitting there experiencing wisdom and wit from people who don't even write their own captions. And then they have a whole perception of that person. Meanwhile, let's talk about how the follower count of some of these people is propped up by bots. That is what fake famous is about. It is all people don't understand that there are fake followers, fake Mm -hmm. likes, fake views, fake comments, which is crazy. I mean, and by the way, Think about how unfulfilling that'll be if something someone comments on your picture and you're like, oh, I paid for that. that I don't, that's not even a real person. I feel that that's so depressing. Yep. Yep. That's so I've depressing. So many, so many of these agencies that are called the agencies. I use the word very loosely. Agencies have been DMing me like promote your thing, get more followers, this and that. I'm, and I'm repulsed every time because if I go down that rabbit hole for one second, I mean, I've had a couple conversations with these people just to see what kind of a conversation I would have with them, how it'd feel to essentially be at the precipice of buying followers. I almost threw up on myself because <laughs> honestly, if I start going down that rabbit hole, I mean, first of all, I'm full of shit. If yeah, I'm teaching yeah. and I'm teaching and I'm buying followers. But the idea is, is really something that more people need to understand because then, okay, let's say I go down that rabbit hole, I buy followers. First of all, they're not real. They're not real. They're not people. For those of you listening who don't fully understand, they're not real people. It's not like you're buying actual people to follow you. You're buying fake profiles that are created by artificial intelligence and bots and programming to mimic fake profiles. So you're actually just have ghost followers. Yep. Yep. 100%. And so it's, it's really a trip. I mean, we could keep talking about this, but honestly, I could talk about this for 17 hours straight, literally so like, much to talk about there, but it is so important. I do yeah. feel like unless we get a handle on this, unless there's a very, very consistent conversation around what we're talking about, where people are aware of how they engage, then we're, we're all going to end up in a Truman show. So this is what I was going to ask you. This is what I want to take you out with. What is your advice to people? What is your, your advice to people who are struggling? How do people gauge whether or not they feel like they're using social media in an authentic way, whether or not they're damaging their mental health by what they're taking in? How do you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is curate who you're following. Why are you Mm -hmm. following someone that makes you unhappy? That's definitely a part of it. Well, that's why I designed this method and, and I'm giving it away. This is totally free. You can go to my website and download it and, and please go through the four steps and answer the questions because your mental health might hinge on it right now, because not only will it do the mental health thing, but it's also thinking about, okay, what about the output and not having a lens on it that is so performance based, but Mm -hmm. rather 
based in your truth and what is actually your contribution to the conversation authentically. And those are two different games altogether. So to the extent that we can do the inventory and check ourselves and, you know, this is a tool, plenty of other potential ways to deal with it. Meditation's great because then you can become the observer of your thoughts and not so wrapped up and identified with them that you think that they are you, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a lot of different things to, to do out there to, to give ourselves space. That's what I call it really. Consciousness is the space in between something that could trigger us and, and ourselves, our consciousness, our ability mm-hmm. to just decipher and say, you know what, I'm going to curate my experience right now. And I'm not going to let this lack of likes or comment affect the rest of my day and who I think I am in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a moment, it's a moment to moment thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if anybody's listening, wondering how do I navigate this, please go download the method. It's free yes. on my website. Yes. Go download it. Um, I'm going to go download it now when I hang up with you and, um, tell us how else people can find you. Uh, tell us how they can follow you, stalk you. I make all this commentary about social media and it's pitfalls and yet I'm on it. So, I mean, you definitely come find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. I'm on Clubhouse now as well. Um, Facebook feels a bit like Darth Vader-ish to me. So I'm like kind of on there, but not. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Instagram and Clubhouse are the best ways to And your handle? Oh, it's Caduce. So Q-U-D-D-U-S. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming. I so yeah. enjoyed this conversation. This is a conversation by the way, that has to continue. Um, and Absolutely. so I hope you come on again yeah. as, as we see things unfold as they will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thank you so much for being oh, a pleasure. So great being here with you. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Social Studies with Jenna Kingsley. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to stalk me, you can do that on Instagram at Jenna Kingsley. You can visit my website, jennakingsley.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Jenna Kingsley. If you have a topic you think we should cover, you can slide into the DMs or send me an email. Have a great week and I will speak to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.